Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we strive to be the best kind of terrible influence. Brought to you by Scarlet Lane Brewing. With five locations in the Indianapolis area, there are five places to find the official beer of horror. Also brought to you by Can Can Cinema and Brasserie, Indianapolis's only nonprofit movie theater and art house. Well, this is Days of the Dead 2023. I got to do a couple of interviews there. They asked me to come in and talk to the filmmakers. Unfortunately, I was only able to talk to one while I was there and the computer problems kept me from being able to get back the next day to talk to more. But I did manage to line up a post interview with Sean Hayes from Cannibal Comedian. But I also talked to William Boothman. I think you guys will enjoy both of these, but you won't know until you give them a listen. So give them a listen. Here we go. Hey guys, Dylan here with the Walter Paisley Movie House, and we are at Days of the Dead Indianapolis 2023, and I'm sitting here with Will Boothman, who made the film Ghost Trippers, which was featured last year at Days of the Dead. Will, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Good. Great good. to be here in Indy. Yeah, where are you out of? Um, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, wow. So that is a travel. Yes. That hat fits there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I got mixed up. I thought this was a Western convention. <laughs> so did you grow up down there? Yes, I was uh, uh, born and raised in uh, uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, okay. and I uh, spent a couple of years in New York, and then came back. Okay. Yeah. What's uh, so growing up? What was like your local movie house? Where did you go? Um, uh, I'm a. a Grew up around Hillsboro, Texas, and they had the Texas Theater, which there's a lot of Texas theaters in Texas, but it would be the one in, in Hillsboro, which uh, was going to be renovated, and then COVID happened, and that mm -hmm. kind of threw the brakes on it, but hopefully they get that theater rebuilt. That'd be nice. It's nice to see those still going. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I also want to name drop the one in Clifton, Texas, which is not far from Hillsboro, and I think that's the oldest operated theater in uh, Texas. It's been oh, around wow. for over 100 years now. Very cool. Yeah. What, uh, do you remember the first movie you went to see as a kid? Um, uh, it has to be Ghost uh, uh, Busters. Ghost Busters. Yeah. Nice. Do you remember, how old were you, do you think? Uh, that was 85, right? So uh, it was 82, like five. I think. I think that was 82. I think it was five. Was it five? Yeah. I can't remember. I, I mean, it, it was Somewhere super early there. for me. Yeah. Um, and that has such a, like everybody in the 80s, um, yeah. it has such an impact on me. Um, the one that I remember getting hyped about was the sequel. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember waiting in line for, for the opening uh, night, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, that's a, a, a memory that will always be etched in there. Awesome. Yeah. Those are nice. I like having those. I kind of miss having to hunt and find something like that and okay. be able to stand in line for it and get get excited. Yeah, now you yeah. can just press a button for the most part. Right. So. <laughs> and as a filmmaker, um, there was a lot of us you know, last year that were uh, uh, anxious about theaters because of, of COVID just kept uh, people out of the theater. We yeah. liked the community experience of laughing and getting scared with an audience. Absolutely. And uh, this year, you know, the movies are back at better than ever. So I'm glad to see, uh, not, I don't have anything against streaming, but I'm glad to see that, yeah. uh, you know, people are getting their back in the seats of the theaters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's, it is, horror especially really works better with a crowd. Oh, yeah. They feed off each other's energy. Exactly. And that was William Castle knew that and played that so well where he, uh, like the tingler, where he'd buzz one seat and it'd get everybody going. You just right. All you needed was one person to react to get everybody else. Oh, yeah. 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 So you, uh, you're growing up in Texas. When did you realize you wanted to take a stab at filmmaking then? Um, it's kind of weird. It didn't happen to me um, until college. Um, mm -hmm. I went to art school and I guess was trying to find you know, what I wanted to do. Um, but since I was little, 
um, I've uh, I've written, and mm-hmm. uh, in one of the uh, the earlier conventions that we had last year, um, I had just kind of uh, talked out of my ass that I had been writing stories since I was eight, but I didn't know. And uh, I remember my dad had given me a box of my first, second, and third grade like schoolwork. And for years, I didn't care about it, but I wouldn't throw it away. Right. Well, after that convention, I went in there looking. And I was like, was I really at eight years old writing stories? And yeah, there's uh, a werewolf story, two of them, uh, one about a werewolf and one about a killer fox that I wrote in the first grade. I was like, yeah, so yeah, I've been a storyteller my whole life. That's awesome. Um, it just took, um, I think, just the digital revolution, <clears throat> you know, around 2000. It, didn't, mm-hmm. it took until um, I was in, uh, you know, past college or in college that uh, I got interested in yeah. doing film. It is. It, it became very cool when suddenly people were picking up their phone and making movies. Oh yeah. And uh, the ability now for anybody really to start making films. It, it's good and bad because right. people without training go in. And yeah, I mean. As you've probably already found, sound is like one of the hardest things to oh, yeah. capture yeah. and figuring that out. So were you reading a lot of filmmaking books or were you just oh, kind God, of yeah. winging it and going? So um, I'm a Texan. My my idol is Robert Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, you know, just His do book it. is pretty good. Yes, it's yeah. my Bible. I don't yeah. know how many times I've read it plenty. But that, but yeah, uh, everywhere. And now in the last decade, uh, you can almost find anything on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so uh, any chance I get, um, uh, you know, uh, new stuff um, mm-hmm. and old stuff. Um, uh, my mind's drawn a blank on him. Now the guy that uh, did uh, Paper Moon and um, oh. uh, last um, last picture show. Last picture um, show. Uh, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Thank yeah, you. Um, he did a ton of interviews with the old guys, mm-hmm. and I love reading it's those. It's really good. And the technology's changed so much, but yeah. the principles of filmmaking haven't changed. Right. So anytime I can pick up something um, about about film, I will. I mm-hmm. love Hitchcock because he he loved to talk about making movies. Yes, he didn't hide anything. Nope. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, um, I, I did go to film school. Mm-hmm. Um, where did where did you go there? I was gonna say um, twice. I, I blew <laughs> a lot of money at the Art Institute, which I don't right. recommend. And then I went to my community uh, school yeah. in Dallas, which um, had connections. Uh, Los Colinas had connections to uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. So. Awesome. Um, the bang for the buck was you can't beat it. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of it's uh, you know also uh, self uh, self learning. Yeah. And um, I appreciated uh, going to film school after I was making my own movies because um, then I was like, oh, this is what I should have been doing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's been quite a process to get to to where I've been where yeah. I am now. Yeah. So when you're as you talked about the changes in technology, you're no longer having to worry about how much film stock do we have, what are exactly. lab fees going to be, oh, and yeah. all of that stuff. A lot of it, it's all digital now. Um, does that give you more freedom as far as when you're directing? Are you one of those that let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again, or are you? I, I don't think kind you can of midway af- through. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can afford to be um, when uh, you don't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, talking to a lot of filmmakers on the circuit, you know, they're making features in like uh, ten days, mm-hmm. and that's just record timing, and you, you you don't have time for a lot of takes. It's the old school Bill one shot Bodine yeah. style. Or- yeah. Nice job, Mr. Carradine. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I was watching uh, or listening to the commentary on Hatchet, uh, Adam mm -hmm. Green's film, and uh, I was surprised how many, even he had to, you know, wanted to do more takes, but had to do a lot of single takes. Yeah. Because that's all the time. Well, all had. their money went into the prosthetics for that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was such yeah. an effects-heavy film. <laughs> so even when you have, uh, you know, seven digits, you, you're still going to end up having to, to only take a few takes. Yeah. Um, something that I've learned uh, editing other people's stuff is um, that uh, editing makes you a better writer and director because yeah. um, then you don't waste your time filming stuff that you're not going to use. Right. And, uh, you know, of course, it sharpens you up to get better pacing and all that. Mm -hmm. But the big thing is that um, it helps you not waste time on set. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, well, I'm never going to use that shot, so I don't need to shoot this thing. <laughs> do you find, too, as you're, as you're editing, do you, do you start to realize how much you're putting in dialogue that you could handle visually instead? Um, yes, that's yeah. that's another thing that was I was kind of slow learning on, mm -hmm. um, and uh, also slow learning with the writing. You know, I would uh, I think uh, all uh, beginner writers um, want to do exponential uh, dialogue too. Do a too lot much. of overwriting, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> in the in the rewrites, you know, I keep finding you know we don't need to say that. And like you said, if you can uh, use a camera move, it's a lot yeah. more interesting uh, to show than to tell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm all about you know bare bones uh, dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about Ghost Trippers, and for the listeners, I'll be honest, I have not watched it yet. Um, I didn't know what was going to be here, but hopefully I'm going to catch it here after this. Yeah, so Ghost Trippers um, is a pilot that we made in the fall of uh, 2021. Um, uh, like I said, Robert Rodriguez is my idol, so we shot it with a three-man crew, myself as a director, one person on sound, one person on camera, mm -hmm. and that was it. Um, my producer, J.J. Uh, Perez, uh, is also a lead in it, so um, you know he wasn't able to do a, <laughs> much work while right. he was in front of the camera. <laughs> um, so uh, we shot it in five nights over two weekends, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a pilot, uh, uh, Ghost Trippers. It's a um, a parody of everything that you see on uh, the Discovery Channel. Paranormal shows, yeah. yeah. So these paranormal shows, you always see these this uh, film crew, and they're never really seeing the ghosts. They're they're always getting scared of nothing, and I was like. Well, uh, and it wasn't my idea, it was actually the crew's idea. Uh, we were pitching around ideas to, to come up with. And uh, one of them, uh, it might have been JJ, uh, had the idea that, uh, you know, uh, what if there was a camera crew behind that camera crew and the ghosts were there, they're just, uh, these amateur filmmakers just aren't captured <laughs> on camera. So it's a, a comedy horror. Uh, we wrote the pilot, uh, we wrote an outline, and mm -hmm. we've been uh, writing the, uh, the sub subsequent episodes. Um, to see if we can get uh, somebody interested in getting it made. Okay, cool. And um, that's the the premise is that you take this um, this team of amateur filmmakers and by the end of it, uh, uh, prove to them that ghosts are real mm -hmm. um, by by them actually experiencing. It. <laughs> but the comedy is going to come from all the chances that they could they should have seen a ghost, yeah. <laughs> but they just missed it. When you're looking at something like that, especially something you want to make episodic, are you looking? let's just get this done, or are you looking long-term, where can this go, how do we keep the momentum going with this? Um, we did, uh, um, like I said, we're, uh, we're about halfway through the series writing mm -hmm. it, um, but uh, and I think initially, well initially it was a short, um, so going back to COVID, I was working on a feature, and COVID had uh, caused some problems with that, there were mm -hmm. some other problems, and I knew that I couldn't finish it, and I, we had this great team, uh, uh, our crew and our cast, um, and then that's when we were throwing around the ideas, well, what can we do to get something done? Mm -hmm. So uh, we came up with this idea of the, uh, uh, the parody, and then um, it became a series um, because I thought, if I wanted that character development to, um, to watch 
non you have one believer brandy and then the rest of the team is, is non-believers okay um and you know if, if we want to see the character development of them all uh getting to experience ghosts and believing in ghosts right uh you can't do that in a feature you got to have a, a series yeah so uh we came up with the six part uh, the outline of the six part series um but then when we um got a chance to actually pitch it you know we were like well um i've heard this and i haven't uh i uh i haven't uh seen it but i've heard that uh, you know a, a, a tv series doesn't become profitable to like the third season something like that so maybe so it's like well yeah, <laughs> yeah anymore maybe. i don't know what's streaming so it's like well, uh, a lot of uh serial type shows now have uh, five seasons uh -huh. uh, breaking bad yeah. um uh the marvelous uh, miss Maisel. yeah um so you know five's a nice number mm -hmm. so you know um we have our outline of our six-part first uh, season and then we have uh, where this team would go beyond that and it, it would basically be kind of a rise and fall of a filmmaking team okay with ghosts nice <laughs> so when you're making these are you do you sometimes tap into that kid that was watching Ghostbusters for the first time on oh, the yeah. big screen and thinking, how can, how can I make this look like that? How can I recapture that kind of feeling for others? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that um, even though I was writing those uh, scary stories when I was in the first grade, um, I'm more of a comedian. So, mm -hmm. um, And we have a great cast. Uh, and I was, earlier I said that I write bare bones dialogue. Part of that is to allow my, my cast to ad lib. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, my only uh, uh, my only uh, personal critique of our pilot is that it's not scary enough. Um, so I've been spending the last year just watching horror films and learning how to get those good scares yeah. in. And uh, yeah, it comes back to Ghostbusters. That opening scene in the library is amazing. Oh, it's great! It's <laughs> it's a great jump scare, and it's so funny yeah. too. And and that's, that's that it mixes that tone of uh, of horror and comedy so well. Well, it, the line between horror and comedy is razor thin, mm. and it's. Um, I, I remember talking, I was, for some reason, got looped into teaching a class on comedy, and I brought up the idea of a jump scare, and I, I'm like, what do you, what's the first thing you do after a jump scare? And they're like, laugh. I'm like, exactly, yeah. because yeah. that's where that line is. Yeah, it's yeah. Right there. And you also don't want to compromise the scares with the comedy. Yeah. You know, that's the worst yeah. thing you can do, unless you're making a movie like a scary movie. Right, yeah. yeah, where it is all just broad. But yeah. one of my favorite horror films is Return of the Living Dead, which is an absurd Fantastic movie. Fantastic film. But the horror works. Yeah. They get you paranoid of the zombies. Yeah. You know, that's still there. That threat of those zombies is still there. Yeah. But everything else is just, it's like the Three Stooges. And people forget that's literally the first movie where zombies ran. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's, you know, this, that scene where they just all come towering in on the ambulance. Yes. And you're just like, what? What? And that's that's the energy that makes the horror work with the comedy. <clears throat> yeah. Is that that uh, that panic? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. I have so much fun watching it. Oh, and yeah. I grew up near Louisville, so it was even better oh. when they nuke Louisville. Yeah. We'd be all like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's another great part. That movie um, is so nihilistic. At the end of it, you know, they just nuke just the whole <laughs> So, uh, aside from Ghost Trippers, do you have other projects you're messing around with? Um, yeah, I have a, a, um, a crime, it's the feature, uh, mm -hmm. but now so much time's passed that I, the rewrite's turning into a sequel because of continuity <laughs> issues. And then I was like, that'll allow me to, to take the stuff that we filmed beforehand. Mm -hmm. It's a crime uh, comedy uh, called Bury a Lover. Okay. Um, about a, uh, a straight-laced uh, insurance worker that has to go in, into the underground to find her um, her uh, childhood friend who's kind of a, a hippie. Okay. So a, a fish-out-of-water type 
type story. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, as far as doing those features now, are you amassing a crew? Are you getting some people that are becoming regular workers with you on these things? Yeah, like I said, this feature that we started that uh, uh, that I couldn't finish, and then um, I just everybody from well, not everybody, but um, everybody that's in Ghost Troopers came from that. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, we we needed to get something done. Yeah. Um, so I have them. Um, I met JJ in 2019. Both okay. of our first film festivals was a film festival called Prison City uh, Film Festival in Huntsville, Texas. It's okay. a fantastic festival. Um, so uh, that's one of the best parts of the circuit of uh, the festival circuit is you know getting to make those connections with other filmmakers. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I've been uh, uh, privileged not to have to do auditions since 2016. Oh, that's nice. Um, because I've met so much talent. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, and I, I, um, I want to keep that. I want to keep that network mm -hmm. together. And uh, things are uh, improving in Texas with the film uh, community. So um, it, you know, it should be viable. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I found that especially with low budget filming, it most I'm pretty much anybody I've met, it's been somebody who's nice, and that's why they're able to do it because right. people want to work. I had Mark Pirro on, who. Um, if you know of him at all, it's for uh, Polish Bur Vampire in Burbank, a movie he made and then on Super 8 and then sold to USA Network for, uh, it was in the millions. I mean, he made a good amount of money off this little Super 8 film he made. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but he always works with a lot of the same people, and it's just because he's a nice guy. Yeah, and oh, yeah. They, yeah, they yeah, want to yeah. come back, and he pays nothing. I mean, the movies are made on not even a shoestring. So, um, you know, he's able to, to get the same people back just by keeping that kind of community feel. So it sounds like that's the way you're going with it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I had a, a bit of a chaotic childhood moving around and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And uh, so I've developed a Taoist go with the flow uh, philosophy. Very and I nice. think that that helps with filmmaking because I don't think I've ever heard anybody's film um, was made with plan A. You are always going to have to do a backup. Never. I don't care so, how much you storyboard. Oh, I don't yeah. care if you're the Coen brothers. Yeah. Something's going to mess up. And you're you got to learn how to be on the fly and uh, <clears throat> uh, you know make that plan B work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is definitely a, a, a it's a it's a job where you just got to roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you sit there and get too frustrated about something not working out, that's not going to do you any good. Yeah. You, you got to find that that way to get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you have? Do you have a, an example of something where that really paid off for you? Um, I'm sorry, I'm a little rusty because no, we haven't no, been to fine. the film festivals since last year. Uh, but yeah, I know that. Uh, uh, um, I mean, with Ghost Trippers, uh, there were so many, uh, so many things that didn't work out. Um, I guess uh, so this is the story that I'll tell. There's um, uh, one romantic scene in it, uh, and I initially on the board, I think that was like one of the first things we were going to shoot. Um, but then we didn't get to have. Did you want to shoot it first just to get it out of the way? Yeah, but we didn't yep. get to have the read-through that I wanted um, mm -hmm. with uh, uh, scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of other things happened. So this scene um, that was important to me, you know, I was, I was wanting to get my romantic scene and do it right. Um, uh, we didn't get to shoot it until 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> romance is in the air. It, romance is in the air. So this is, um, uh, you know, a horror film. We're shooting at night and uh -huh. uh, uh, all night. So at 6 a.m. and uh, the sun's gonna come up. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had this thing planned out, I think in like eight shots, and I think we shot it in five. 
And then I immediately remembered, well, they've got to come into the room at some point. Right. So I remember opening up that door and just prayed, please let the sun be down. Because <laughs> I didn't know how else. I didn't want a green screen. It looked terrible. Right. So I opened up the door. It's still dark. I was like, all right, let's get it. So we get it in one take. <laughs> and then now I look at the scene. It's like, man, it works. That chemistry is there. And we were doing that so fast yeah. <laughs> to, get, to get it done before the sun came up. That I mean, that is... The time of day, you can always tell if they filter it the day for night. Oh yeah, I hate that. Those I, things, it just I makes me refuse blue. to do that. It just looks to me, it's one of those glaring things. I can't, yeah, I can't. It's uh, really it takes awful. me out of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've found that a lot of filmmakers I've talked to, if they have sex scenes, they always want to get those out of the way before the actors really get to know each other. Right. Famously, David Lynch. Um, in Blue Velvet, the the assault scene was the first scene that Dennis Hopper and um, um, the female uh, lead is, uh, Isabella Rosalina. Isabella, yes. thank you. Her, <laughs> yeah, that was the first scene they shot. And I love David David's Lynch. Like I don't want you guys to like each other. Ah, before then that makes we shoot sense. this. So. That's what makes him a genius. I love David Lynch, and I got to meet uh, Isabella, uh, I think, in 2019. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I just, I love that, uh, you know, she still has a passion for that movie, because the, the movie's great. It's, oh, it's disturbing as hell, but yeah. it's a perfect film. And she does those delightful, I don't know if you've watched them, she does these um, films about animal and insect sexuality. No, I didn't know she, that. Like, like puts on costumes and talks about how they procreate. It yeah. does all these in-depth, it's just bizarre and wonderful. I've got to watch that. <laughs> yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're here for the convention. Uh, I'm sure you're taking the movie around everywhere. Are you hitting a lot of convention circuits, film festivals? Um, we did it uh, last year. Um, uh, George and Audrey were kind to, to mm -hmm. invite us back uh, as part of the alumni mm -hmm. uh, this year. But yeah, last year, um, like I said, Ghost Troopers was just something to get out so that we produce something for um, you know the cast and crew to have something right. done. Um, I mean, with COVID and everything, we just wanted to mm -hmm. get back in the action. Um, so it did way better than JJ and I expected. We put it into Prison City first uh, because that's the first festival we were ever into. Okay. And uh, we really like the team that puts that together. Mm -hmm. um, so we put it into there. And I think we got accepted into 14 films before, or festivals before we ever got a rejection, which is unheard of. Wow. Um, you know, I had like a 20% acceptance rate on my last film, and JJ's was probably somewhere around that. Um, so uh, we're on this roll, and uh, by the end of last year, we had gotten it into 43 festivals. I went to wow. 18 of those. JJ went to 19. Our um, uh, special effects hair and makeup person, mm -hmm. Jen, um, she went to one that because JJ and I were in Oklahoma and couldn't go. <laughs> so I was like, man, thank you for you know supporting this team. So uh, all together, I think we went to 22. Holy about cow. half of them. Um, all last year, and uh, uh, Days of the Dead kind enough uh, was kind enough to have us in three: um, Indy last year, mm -hmm. Chicago last year, and then at the beginning of this year, our last festival was um, uh, Days of the Dead Atlanta. Oh, okay, which was a great way to to end it. Um, you know, this is a terrific network, uh, Days yeah. of the Dead, and uh, uh, I had a blast in Atlanta. Great, that's great. Um, where can people find your stuff? Um, we are shopping around Ghost Trippers. You can see the trailer online. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. What's your Instagram handle? Um, Ghost Trippers Film. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't believe there's an underscore. I think it's just Ghost Trippers okay. Film. Um, and then I'll Ghost put Troopers. a link also in the, in the podcast bio. So. Okay. Um, again, sorry, I'm a little rusty because no, I've been on the conventions for it. six months. I get it. No but, uh, but yeah, you can find us there. Um, uh, uh, you know, we're still uh, shopping it around, so we don't mm -hmm. have the, the pilot up yet. Okay. 
but um, but yeah, uh, follow us and, and keep up with what we're doing. Cool. Check them out, listeners. Will, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Take care. Have a great con. Thank you. That was William Boothman, and that guy is full-on Texas. He had on a Western shirt and a great big cowboy hat. Hell of a lot of fun to talk to. Next up, Sean Hates, director of Cannibal Comedian. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Are you in Indiana? Yeah, Indianapolis. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right on. I, th- I think we're coming back. <laughs> oh, cool. Are you, gonna, are you doing like a touring show or something? With uh, hor- Horror Hound. Oh, okay. In August? Yeah. Very yeah, cool. They, they uh, were uh, nominated for 11 awards. Sweet. Yeah, so we're going to try to get out there, or at least some of us. Nice. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, I'll just have you know that as part of the Days of the Dead in Indianapolis 2023, uh, I got to interview some of the young filmmakers, and I've got one with me today, Sean Hates, who brought the wonderful cannibal comedian along. And uh, I cannot wait for you guys to get to see this film because it is a lot of fun. Um I guess we'll we'll start at the very beginning for you. Uh, I don't have a lot of information on you. Your IMDb has you as growing up in Sarasota, Florida, and starting filmmaking at the tender age of ten. Is that about right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's nice. that's uh, that's about right. Yeah, I mean the that's the state that launched some of the best filmmakers of all time, Herschel Gordon Lewis. <laughs> you've got. Uh, You've got a lot of people coming out of there. Uh, I think Ray Dennis Stickler may have spent some time down that way. I don't know that I would call him the great filmmaker, but filmmaker nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it you know it, it's really started first. I think before I picked up a camera was uh, putting on these haunted yards because we didn't have a uh, a garage or somewhere to do like haunted house. And my mom was into it, and we'd be spray painting and cutting out cardboard to make uh, graves and putting funny jokes on there, like Eddie Frog croaked, you know, and and we'd have all these little one-liner funny uh, tombstones out in the yard. And then I would, uh, like, as I remember, I, I basically produced it because I would get the uh, uh, my friends and, and neighborhood kids to come and help me. And I would, I would set up, okay, this is going to be your scare zone. This is your scare area. I mean, I'm like, I don't know, eight, nine years old, and I'm doing this. So that was the beginning of the love of Halloween and horror, you know. And then when I picked up that camera, I was just, I was just doing, uh, even if it was like, I, I remember my little sister wanted to do a, like a skit or like a short film or something. And she was really young and she wanted to do a tea party. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do something, I'll, I'll film it. But, at the end of the tea party, the tea is poisoned and everyone dies. Is that cool? Is that cool? And they're like, yeah, that's great. You know, she's like seven years old with her friends doing the tea party. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I always had a sick and twisted, uh, uh, I don't know, outlook, I guess. I can uh, appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what drew you to horror initially? Were you one of those that would sneak out late at night and turn on your late night horror host or uh, the did, or did your parents just sit you down and say, hey, we're going to watch uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Enjoy. Yeah, you know, they would just turn it on. And when I was really young, I was a little bit freaked out to watch it. Like uh, Tales from the Crypt would come on. Mm-hmm. And just that intro was uh, 
was uh, scary enough for me that I don't want to actually watch the episode. Right. And I was pretty young. I'm like, and it's late. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I just knew I'm like, I'm going to bed. Uh, and, uh, I think, and then when I went, yeah, cause they, uh, even my dad, like he, I, I, I don't know. He just didn't think anything of it. I was pretty young going to see scream the, uh, Jesus. the original at the, at, yeah, at the movie theater. And as soon as that phone rang and that gnarly scream, you know, echoes throughout and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm out, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I walked out. So it took me a little bit of uh, a little bit of time to to. But when I first watched a horror film, like all the way through, and actually when I was really young as well, I uh, it was uh, it was what was the one? It was uh, not uh, Tales from the Crypt. It was the other the the anthology one. Uh, Creep show. show, creep show, creep, creep show. Yeah, so it was the uh, it was the the one on the lake, the oh, raft. That was creep show too. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the raft. But I didn't know what it was back then. Uh, that was the first. I think that was the first horror film I had ever seen in my life, and that was that freaked me out. But it, I I really liked it. And then a little bit later on, when I got through a whole horror movie, I felt like I just like got on a roller coaster. Like I got through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my mom picking me up and I'm like, oh, it was so amazing when they slashed his guts and they fell out and it was so cool. And uh, I don't know what she was thinking. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that it was when I got through a horror film, I was I felt like I did something like I accomplished something. It was very mm-hmm. exciting. And uh, and then I remember with Scream, I must have done the reenactment of the cold opening with Drew Barrymore like. 10 times with my (laughs) sister-in-law with my sister's friend with you know and we would just do that whole thing and i would always change up the bit with the boyfriend how he died i would i would go and buy uh neck slits from you know the the halloween store Mm -hmm. and 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 black lights and strobe lights and fog machines and 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 do the whole bit so So were uh, you filming this as you were doing it yes yes it's all filmed awesome yeah (laughs) Yep. Yeah, you're young enough that you were probably dealing with digital media right away. Easy, easy yeah. peasy. Yeah, yeah. It was, and then just hook it right up to the VCR or the TV, mm-hmm. and we could watch what we did. And we'd shoot it in real time, like, because I at that point, I didn't have any editing software. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would just shoot it as it, you know. In sequence. And... In sequence, yes, yeah. exactly. And it would it would work out that way. And then we got to sit and watch the dailies and enjoy it. So it was, I so early on I got that uh got that feeling and that and the uh, you know I was you know I wasn't great in school especially in middle school that's when I was really doing comedy sketches and and just filming every day after school and I'd get whatever friends could come over or we'd go over their place and we would just make it happen like that that reminds me of uh, uh my friend we looked alike we both had blonde hair braces you know like 13 years old and we did a, a short film called uh, Indiana Clones because we both look alike and we're both we both have this stupid country accent. We're really dumb. <laughs> and so we and we would show that to their parents and they would love it. And so, like, I became like uh, like a favorite to come over because we we when I came over, we I would have my camera. We would shoot mm-hmm. a movie. So it was like that. And it's funny to this day and i'm 37 you know these friends from 13 years old are always still like 
uh, or come to me once in a while, just like that was the best time, you know, even from 12, 13, 14 years old. So it's, it's, I, it was just something I was obsessed with. Yeah, absolutely. And, ha- and having that digital camera and be able to just press the button record and go mm-hmm. and with the LCDC screen would come out and you see where you're shooting easy peasy. Yeah. Do, do you still have all those? I have a lot of those videos. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you ever tempted to go back and look? I have. You know, the worst thing is the worst quality part of it for some reason is the sound. Oh, like, it sounds the yeah. always the worst part. Yeah. 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 That's uh I don't know if you've read um Lloyd Kaufman's Make Your Own Damn Movie book or mm-hmm. not, but there's a chapter called Sound, the one thing you're gonna fuck up. And that's like the truest chapter title I've ever seen. <laughs> that that book got inspired me enough to uh, make my first movie like that was like, uh, you know, somewhat of a budgeted film. And it was a uh, we made it, it as a 40. It turned out to be a 47 minute film. We didn't know what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. We just went out and made it. It was called Mangrove Slasher 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was not a first one. And that was inspired by that book and Toxic Avenger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I talk about that book a lot because I think it's the most accessible filmmaking book you can find. Uh, so many others get so mired in details that aren't necessary to just make a movie. And that one really kind of makes it feel accessible to anybody. That's worth rereading. I should check that out again. Yeah, just, definitely. Yeah, that's a great one. So you you make Mangrove Slasher 2. Yeah. And you're kind of getting your legs under you as you're doing that one, I'm sure. And you're you're still kind of feeling things out. It's probably when you've got other people's money behind it, it, it probably adds some pressure that you weren't quite expecting. What how did that come around for you by the end of it? Were you feeling confident enough that yeah, I I've got this now. I want to make a feature? That one, so that one was still only made with like a thousand dollars and uh 600 600 of it wasn't mine right so we had like a producer come on and and that's the producer actually helped with the next film and she gave us a check for 600 dollars. i was like wow this is awesome and uh and so she uh she helped and that was later on in the project because a lot of it was for free and uh and so, so there, that pressure wasn't there, but the pressure was like, should I get gas or try to make it to set and go buy uh caro syrup and red food coloring and, 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 and chocolate syrup to, to mix some blood together. That was literally, or, and, and it was gas or no, it might've been, uh, it was, uh, no pay my phone bill. Or it was like, that's was, those scenarios were happening. <laughs> and that was Sharon Carroll who produced on who helped produce that one. She did, and then she later came on to Big Top Evil, uh-huh. which then a little bit more pressure was there, and and uh, we had more of a professional team, but mm-hmm. still, still just trying to figure it out. You know, at that point, I still didn't even I knew what DP meant. You know, mm-hmm. like like I I didn't know what a grip or a best boy or. <laughs> or departments like I, I must have been working like six departments you know and uh you know uh 
production coordinator, all that, you know, first AD, second AD, all, you know, I had no yeah. idea about that. And I was just like, I guess you're a production assistant. I don't know. So that's, that was just learning and doing. Right. I didn't, I didn't do the, uh, the, the whole film school deal. Yeah. Right. That a lot of ambition just to try to make a movie. <laughs> I honestly, I think that's a better route to go anyway, but um, uh, so when you are getting a better idea of what all of those moving pieces are and what you actually need to accomplish, like, like when you're doing almost everything on the set and you start realizing, man, I got to delegate some of this and you're learning terms like DP and, and PA and executive producer, AKA useless. What, what are you, <laughs> are you making notes at that time? Or are you just making mental notes? Or are you just plowing through trying to get the work done and then try and figure it out after? Yeah, I remember actually go back to Mangrove Slasher and I was doing the special effects and then I'm running over to get in the costume because I'm playing a character mm -hmm. and then I'm running over here to direct this. And so at the end of that day, I was completely exhausted and I, I don't remember who it was, uh, but they came up to me and was just like, you, you need to learn to delegate and uh, you, you, you know, you're doing too much. Mm -hmm. And I see you just running all over the place. So it was later on as I, as I kept going that I, I learned how to delegate. And it was, it was when I moved from Florida to Los Angeles and I started getting on big Hollywood production big sets, big movies. And, uh, and I was uh, a PA and that's where I started to really learn all the departments and what, yeah. what everything, you know, and, and it, it was never from, you know, YouTube or, or school training. It was just all like, you know, just thrown into the, you know, the water and, uh, and just learning how to swim. Yeah. And so that, that was a great experience because just, and then I, I moved on to then being in the writer's room as a writer's PA. So then I got to watch how the showrunners, you know, delegate and how they, you know, I got to listen to all the phone calls. One was like, one of the shows was with Disney. So when Disney had notes, you know, and the big wigs would come in then they would have to make changes and then, you know, sitting in the writer's room and watching how they work and then how it, you know, it comes to be and then it's on script and then they go film it. So, so I was like, and then when I was on set, then I saw how, how they, you know, just how the, the machine works, like the Hollywood mm -hmm. machine. So that's, that's when I went into making Cannibal Comedian with that mindset uh, trying to, even with hardly any money, but just trying to yeah. uh, have all those uh, ducks in a row. It was, I I didn't get a chance to see Big Top Evil, but I was just watching Cannibal Comedian and thinking, man, this is coming off of one, really one full feature. It looked so good. And I don't, <laughs> I don't kiss ass on this podcast. You can ask previous guests, but I was really pleasantly surprised. I You go into these festivals, especially with the con, if you're lucky, you walk out with maybe two where you're like, ah, those were solid. This was one of those where as I watched it on the screener, I'm just like, this is, I actually like hell. I stopped and I was like, I got to watch this with my kid when he gets back home. So, <laughs> <laughs> he watched it. And it is, uh, first off, just the whole seventies exploitation feel of it. Um, you, you, the opening scene, you capture 
basically every 70s exploitation film in just a few scenes. Uh, you've got, first off, the woman covered in blood hiding. Then she's running topless. <laughs> and then kind of the 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 red herring pulls up in the car and obviously she's on in cahoots with you and the chasing around the car, the, the kind of goofy comedy that goes with a little slapsticky, a little three stooges. I, I felt like I was watching some old seventies exploitation film for a minute. And it oh, was, yeah. it was a pretty good feeling. And obviously that's what you were going for. You've got a couple guys who are in the original Texas chainsaw massacre as part of this. So you were obviously going for that feel on it. Um, it, it wasn't, throughout but it definitely was the theme and i felt it throughout if that makes sense yes you, it was definitely had all the modern aspects as well yeah yeah thank you so much by the way yeah it uh yeah definitely was yeah sprinkled throughout that and it you know it had the grit and mm -hmm. look and in the colorization on it and the uh and the 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 the, the locations we shot it, you know, in the, in this high desert, you know, mm -hmm. area and the, you know, and I, I, you know, cahoots to the DP Jacob Geimer and, and Justin, I I might be butchering his name, uh, but who colored it. And, mm -hmm. and then kudos to Ryan James, who is the producer, co-producer on this film that came in, uh, he came in a little bit later when we had a, a first assembly and he knew that there was something there, but it, it was a mess. It was a mess. Mm -hmm. And so we shot about 30% more of the film and really like, he was like a mechanic getting in there, you know, uh, and we were just really just massaging this movie and making it, you know, the best we can, especially with what we have. And, uh, yeah, it came together like that. And Big Top Evil also has kind of the exploitation vibes too. It's it's a little even more gritty and more like camera work is a little uh janky and it's it's a little bit more all over the place. But mm -hmm. I always say, Oh, well, the movie's like a three-ring circus. <laughs> so <laughs> but Cannibal came together. We like it, it was a it was more professional and sounded better, looked better. And so uh, you know, people are saying, you know, my films are getting better. And yeah, yeah, definitely we were going for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm -hmm. uh feel, the original. And, uh, and then, uh, I'm a big fan of Rob Zombie. So, mm -hmm. so he's, uh, he's an influence to me as I am a musician too, singer songwriter. And so, uh, a lot of my mu music is in the movie. I forget to, to yeah. mention that all yeah. my original songs are in it. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot, you know, I love the slapstick stuff as well. And, and the cheesiness, uh, that, you know, that's, that I get a more of a kick out of. And yeah, when they were running around the car, I was sort, sort of doing like a Scooby-Doo routine. <laughs> <laughs> the music just stops and they're just running. Yeah. That was, that was a good laugh. That was that's really great. Good that's, laugh. that's in the script. Let's do Scooby-Doo music stops suddenly. And it's just like this running around the car over and over. Get her already. <laughs> yeah. That's great that it gets gets what we uh, what we wanted. You know, it gets a lot. Yeah, but you also really captured. I don't want to say the spirit because that gives them too much too much credit. But but of an open mic, the feel of an open mic, which obviously as a singer songwriter, I 
myself too have been to many an open mic and you know you're you're performing for an audience of performers who are paying no attention to you (laughs) (laughs) they're barely interested in what you're doing and you captured a lot of that with this too i I kind of felt at at points i was just kind of like oh man i've (laughs) i've been there (laughs) i don't know if you thought thank you for that uh i don't know if you felt this too but even like i watched it yesterday with some people we had a a screening and uh i i thought like i'm nervous for the comedian because they are going to bomb when they go on the stage like (laughs) and in reality the comedians that went up to do the open mic they said sean this feels like a real open mic like they felt like they had to bring it and some of them were actually bombing and we let them all do 10 minutes and it was a a lot of time (laughs) i know it was a rough it was rough you know, so you so the jokes that got in the movie were actual real laughs. Those are the best bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and from experience too, being a musician, also trying out stand up comedy, I felt that I would be able to capture. That's what I really, really wanted to do. Capture a real open mic yeah. feeling because you I feel like you miss that in movies, even in like Joker like he's just like rambling and he's never actually even telling a joke and he's like rah, 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 rah. Yeah. and it's just like weird camera angles and <laughs> all this like crazy production but they're not like capturing a real feeling of a dingy there's only performers in there they don't give a hell about you there's even a, like a, a comic just like writing his own material just kind of looking up mm-hmm. you know and they're waiting to go up and those that's how brutal those real life open mics are so people don't really know them because they don't go to them unless mm-hmm. they're doing stand-up comedy so yeah. i i tried to bring that out it definitely felt it That's i awesome. mean it was it's actually i don't know if you've been to one lately like post-pandemic it's become a bucket list item for a lot of people so like i oh. i did one a couple months ago i hadn't been out in a while and i went and there were 30 comics that showed up wow so I, it's just i and, and you know of that 30 90 percent of them were using it for therapy and they're just up there ranting about their boyfriends and girlfriends <laughs> oh that's that's even more brutal when you have to hear that yeah but i i really did yeah cringe as the kids say i'm an old man but uh <laughs> there, there were moments where i was just like oh yeah i feel that yeah and the waiting too we did that you know he's not getting Mm -hmm. up and then uh, them pulling the the name out and it's got charlie's name on it but (laughs) they say someone else's name because he's a comic that goes there all the time so we we really tried to dig in with the with that uh how the comic you know the comedy world really is at these open mics yeah I have to ask about Miss Sadistic. I got to admit, I'm a little obsessed. Friended him on, her on Facebook and <laughs> uh, just like uh, that. Just very uh, full commitment is what I'd say. Like she knew what movie she was in and was having a ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was all in. She's she's in uh, Mangrove Slasher, too. Mm-hmm. She's in Big Top Evil. Yeah, she she's uh and then she's in my newest one, fifty one fifty, area fifty one fifty. Yeah. 
Her and her husband, David Vega, a.k.a. Lucifer's Axe, uh, are just the most amazing. And they're so talented and different. And they they always just bring it. And uh, I met them. They came to an open casting call for Mangrove Slasher 2. Okay. And that's that's how that started. And that was back in 2010, I think. So they've, they, uh, they've been involved. Okay. Wow, that's that been stuff. a while. <laughs> yeah ever since yeah the, yeah and uh yeah she she just brings it like uh she she was all in and i i feel like like that with everybody like mm -hmm. uh but she was loving it yeah you could tell yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i i think one of my favorite things when i talk to especially small budget filmmakers is where they build kind of their own little uh repertory company and people that you see in one film, you're going to see in another. And maybe they bring the same thing. Maybe they bring something new to each one. Doesn't matter. It's just kind of, it gives it a feel of, uh, of I don't want to say a family, but a familiarity as you're in. Uh, it happens with uh, Mark Pirro uh, has a lot of the same people in his films over and over. Herschel Gordon Lewis would do that. And it, it kind of just gave it this nice feel when you go into those movies no, even if you don't know anything about anybody else, you're like, oh, it's that guy. It's that girl. I kind of dig that. And so when you're when you're writing a film now, are you thinking of those people and where you can place them? Or are you writing them and then deciding, all right, I know I'm going to use them. Now, where can I use them? I would say both. Yeah, I would say both. Yeah, I'll do both ways. Yeah, I'll, I'll like, for instance, like I knew for Cannibal Comedian, the sheriff is going to be David. Mm -hmm. And Miss Sadistic is going to be Eleanor. So okay. I, I already knew that when I was writing the script. For like Area 5150, we, I, I, I sort of knew what David was going to be. And then I, I was trying, I had like two or three different ideas where Miss Sadistic could, could play and be a part of. So yeah, they're, they're always on my mind. And as of other, others, uh, Eric, who plays the uh, the uh, bartender, mm -hmm. he then is the sheriff in Area Fifty One Fifty. So, so it's like, and okay. and other people too. Shay, who plays uh, the the uh, the open micer, uh, his his name's Vic. Uh, he plays uh, another character in, uh, and he's fantastic in fifth, Area Fifty One Fifty. So yeah, I try to bring them cool. along, and 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 they have and uh, Shay has a bigger role, and you'll really have fun with his character because he's hilarious in this next movie, like just out of control. Right. So <laughs> totally there's, different. There's something special about finding those actors who will who will do that, who will just commit a hundred percent all the time. Uh, I always think of Udo Kier. Like Udo Kier, yeah. doesn't matter what movie he's in, you're gonna get a hundred percent Udo Kier every time. <laughs> yeah, it may be more intense than the movie calls for. It doesn't matter. It's fun as hell to watch. So it's nice yeah. to find those people. That's made me think of Jack Black too, with him just yeah. like going in as Bowser, like yep. all in, hundred like percent, everything. <laughs> you know, even doing music videos. Yeah. You know, as Bowser, like he's incredible. That's just one of those guys that just goes full on yeah i yeah. love i love that guy so cannibal comedians doing well yeah uh, you're yes. hitting the the con circuit you said you'll be back in indianapolis in august for horror hound you have 11 nominations for that one yes we do that's fantastic 
Yeah. And I, I see online on Facebook all the time where you're doing another showing somewhere and getting more recognition for it. Yeah. We have, you know, one's pending and one's, uh, uh, that I, I, I haven't announced yet. Uh, but what has been announced is Houston horror fest, which is going to be August 11th, uh, okay. that, that weekend. And, and then, uh, yeah, and then Indianapolis for Horror Hound later that month. And then at the end of the month, Days of the Dead in Los Angeles. We're oh, going to cool. be playing there. So it's a big, big, uh, big summer uh, for a cannibal comedian. And, and then and then as we find out and uh, we'll keep it rolling and then we'll be able to announce a few more that we have. And then ones that are pending for like, you know, closer to October and mm -hmm. into October. So, yeah, we're doing a a, a full on uh tour with the film and that was that came about too because uh big top evil i went straight to distribution because it took so long to make mm -hmm. and it uh i just uh went with a distribution company and then we put it out so we had a premiere and then and then we just and that the premiere actually was a day that it 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 was launched on streaming platforms so with this film we met with different distribution companies and I, I tell everybody like some were like, yes, some were no. And then other ones that were, yes, they're like, we'll take the movie or not. <laughs> so it was just like this, like, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, we were already uh, getting geared up to do like a film festival run. So already, you know, winning like this one, <laughs> Days of nice. the Dead, yeah. Uh, you know, it makes the film worth more, and and we want to, uh, you know, gain if we can, uh, you know, uh, new fans and 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 momentum, and it's like a band going on tour, you know, yeah. like meeting new fans and new people that are interested in this, you know, this horror comedy genre and what we're trying to do, and and see if we can, uh, you know build up some groundswell and then go back to the distribution companies because they'll be there. Yeah. So that's, is that's your, the approach. Is your goal streaming only, or do you hope to have physical media as well? We want physical media. That is Great. a big one. Good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I even have big top evil on VHS for like nice. a limited release. So we, yeah, we'll go all the way out. And I also would love to do a soundtrack, you know, because a lot of yeah. the music is my music or my brother has a song in there and then, uh, Caltech, who did the uh, the rap song at the end of the film. Oh, okay. So we have, you know, easy 10, 11 songs in that movie that's all original music. So that's another thing we would like to to uh, to do. And then, uh, yeah, straight. And then, uh, you know, we'll do streaming, uh, whatever platforms we can. You know, usually you'll sign with a distribution company and then they will then pitch it to other mm -hmm. streaming platforms and that's how that works so we just want to make the the best deal we can and uh yeah because for indie filmmakers it's it's really tough to make money it's but the yeah. streaming platforms yeah. are it's such a new world still even though they've been around for a while it's uh all i hear is horror stories from independent filmmakers and it's so difficult to find one that's not going to just screw you yes that's that is very sure that's true. frustrating yeah, it's almost like you you have to have like a huge hit, then then everybody's gonna share some money. Mm -hmm. But uh but when it's just like it does okay, 
that's when it's that's when you're not really seeing the money yeah because uh they'll sell your movie in bulk like they'll take a bunch of movies and then yeah. they'll then they'll sell that so then they'll get that money and you you don't see much from that so yeah so they're making their money. It's like everybody's making money. The the guy who designed the poster, the, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> that's doing the physical media. And it's just like, and then the filmmaker is the one that's, you know, not making anything. So right. it happens again and again. And, and they are coming together. There's a Facebook page that's, uh, uh, you know, that, that helps with, it's uh, uh, something with distribution, um, be aware and or, or whatnot but it's filmmakers coming together to uh to just be be mindful and be smart about it and it's a helpful there's like thousands of filmmakers in there so 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 you know people like me or others that are green that just go right into it like wow we, it's like almost like a record deal like wow i made i got distribution you know <laughs> you know it's gonna be streaming on paramount plus and all this this is huge i made it but that you you really didn't yeah Yeah. there's that that kind of famous story of matt stone and trey parker when they uh sold um cannibal the musical to trauma and they're they're talking to lloyd and they're like well when will we see money oh i don't know maybe never (laughs) (laughs) here's what you're paid here's what i gotta pay for and here's what i gotta recap before you even think about making money so you know it's but it's more about am i getting seen uh which is a typical lloyd kaufman thing to do and say yes (laughs) some people make money (laughs) yeah yeah the exposure's good on your first ones i can i can i'm okay with that but it's at the but end over of the day, time. yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, I want to, uh, I want to do this for a living, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm trying my best, but uh, yeah, you can't pay rent with uh, just putting money out and yeah. uh, c- continuing to do that, you know, I and had, then um, asking for favors. Yeah. I had uh, Michael Epstein and Sophia Cassiola on here. Um, and a lot of what they're doing now since they moved to LA was, um, pickup work she's doing a lot of cinematography he's grabbing some pickup work with other films but then they're still making their own stuff um you know part of that's great because you're young and you can do that i i personally would probably be done at about noon but uh (laughs) (laughs) but i'm over 50 so (laughs) but uh is that I, i know that you work on a lot of other projects how do you prioritize that kind of stuff with what your real passion is? Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's usually, it, you know, it's not that difficult because it, at the end of the day, like even like I have my guitar just sitting there, you know, I'm if, I do the same if thing. I haven't, yeah, if I haven't <laughs> touched it in a while, you know, I eventually I'm going to pick that guitar up and you know, start writing something and it just starts to happen. And then when I get excited, then I want to get back to the guitar more and more. And that's how it is. So, you know, I have a family. I, I got a four-year-old son, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, picking him up and, and taking care of him. And, you know, it, it seems like people that are, I don't know, it, an L.A. thing, a lot of people, like a lot of my friends are single mm-hmm. or have a girlfriend or something. I'm I'm married with a kid and I, you know, and I, I cherish that. I love it. Uh, at the same time, you know, I have, I have other things I have to attend to that and then other work. And, 
things of that nature. But I, but I'm able to manage. It's not as difficult as you think. There's, there's always it seems like there's always time. Good. And I'm always and and also like we started with the conversation. I've learned how to delegate. I I literally have someone that's in post working on Area 5150, and then uh, and then I did a movie we shot in one day called thumper's revenge yes i'm very excited about that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah that one is like nine it's about nine minutes and so i have another editor who just like sent out the uh the screener to days of the dead uh and and so uh i guess i'm going to make that announcement we're going to be premiering thumper's revenge at days of the dead los angeles nice so uh and so then he's doing that and then i you know i usually have just different people doing things uh and then that you know that that frees me up and i'm also <laughs> we just got together uh with another writer uh matt hirsch who is a really great filmmaker i don't know if you've heard of him yet but he's he's an alumni of days of the dead he uh he had a short film there uh in atlanta and uh so me matt and mark who's a producer and a co-writer on 5150 we already got together and we're putting together a pitch deck of another film okay for investors and that's another horror film that i haven't announced yet but yeah so cool yeah and then and at the same time matt's putting together the lookbook pitch deck i'm not doing that so i'm Cool. So I, it frees me up uh, at the same time while I, you know, I look for pictures or whatnot to put to add to the pitch book to look and stuff like that. But he's he's the one that's putting it together. So it, that's that's how I, I uh, I've been able to manage these days. Cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so much of that uh, the delegation comes down to having people you trust. And one hundred percent. That's so hard to find. <laughs> So yeah. I'm glad you've got kind of a crew behind you that's able took to took a long time. Took a very yeah. long time. It wasn't yeah. easy. Yeah. That's that was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And respect. The respect is there. Uh I think maybe I even respect myself more. I'm a little bit more confident as I go and I keep doing this and I'm mm-hmm. executing and then the movie is put together and it's coming out. Okay, I could do this again, you know. And it's and when you first start, you're like, how did I do that? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, like how much work went into this thing? Uh and so so yeah, it's uh that's yeah, that's the process. So tell me a little about Area 5150. Uh it's in post now. Uh it's another one where you got some horror pedigree in there. You've got Felisa Rose. And then, of course, Vernon Wells, whom I am trying to get on this podcast as much as I can. I've been working really hard getting after him. Uh, I have to ask about him. I mean, how much fun is he? Oh, he's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he's a big teddy bear, though, too. Like That's what I heard. Yeah, as soon as he came to say, give me a big hug. He's like, (laughs) yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, this guy's so cool. Uh, Yeah, he's again like we really wanted to uh capitalize his the way he is and 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 capture his big presence because mm-hmm. he has that and we really i think we really did right. uh as his character in in 5150 so uh that movie 
is uh i i like to say it's when you're like pitching it's alien meets the hills have eyes with a slapstick three stooges you know overlay nice uh feel <laughs> so that but it also it has a lot of drama and and it's it's really uh it's it's very eventful too like we're on the road we're we're meeting these weird people we're we're now we're captured by cannibals and there's and right across the gate is area 51 where they're experimenting on aliens and and the uh, the 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 guy who the main the lead scientist over area 51 uh, hates the their neighbors who are these fucking hills have eyes cannibals and it's just like a like a hate neighbor thing you know uh so that's that's where the the fun gimmicky stuff plays in and it's just these uh three main characters are just stuck in the middle of this madness and okay. uh yeah so it's uh it started with the the idea came from I and Mark were watching these videos of people like going past the barrier of area 51 <laughs> and then getting guns pulled on them by the, right. the, uh, the outer gate perimeter patrol, which wear like uh military uh, garment or uh, military costume, whatever, but they don't, but they don't even, they don't work in the military. That's just what their uh, attire is. So they would pull guns on them and we were just finding videos and it, is exciting so i first thought of the idea like what if uh these podcasters you know alien enthusiasts come out there to do a live you know and or a document uh, that they're going to area 51 go too close to the gate all of a sudden the perimeter patrol pulls up takes them you know handcuffs them puts them in the back of the truck takes off but we later find out that they were fake military people and they're just cannibalistic, crazy family that likes to poach people at the gate. And that was the start of the idea. <laughs> Where did you guys shoot that one? We shot that in Morongo Valley and Yucca Valley. Okay. Out, yeah, out uh, close to Joshua Tree mm -hmm. area, high desert in California. That's yeah. where. A lot of we shot uh, uh, Cannibal Comedian as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of nice to find those places that have ready built sets of sorts where yes. <laughs> this is just a ghost town. That'll work. <laughs> 100%. And then I did go to the gates and went out to uh, Rachel, Nevada, where mm -hmm. uh, Area 51 is and got a bunch of B roll. Yeah. So, uh, so I went out there and I stayed out there one night and uh and got a bunch of great footage that matches very well with the high cool. desert in california cool yeah uh, any idea on an eta on that one is that going to probably go the festival route too i would imagine yeah mm -hmm. and it seemed people distribution uh was seemed to be more I don't know, I guess more excited in the way of like, I get a lot more emails from companies like when, when this movie's going to come out, probably because the alien aspect with the yeah. with the horror is, is, is really fun. The sci-fi mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually, uh, also it's, this movie's action packed too. So it's, it's really, uh, it's, I think it's going to be really fun because it literally like 50 locations probably and fit like 
30 plus characters in the movie so it's really we went uh we did a different approach on this film than Cannibal Comedian, which is more intimate and, and uh, only a few locations. So I went all out on this movie. Uh, but yeah, we're looking at, I, I would imagine uh, next, next summer, next spring, next summer, okay. we'll be able to start that, that process and get it, start putting it out there. And cool. Whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's the goal for that one. Well, thank you so much for your time. I don't want to take any more of it. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you so much. I'll let you know when this up. Okay, sounds good. All righty, bye-bye. Rock and roll. Rock on. Bye. Bye. There you go. That was Sean Hates. Cannibal Comedian is so much fun. Please check it out, you guys. Check out Ghost Trippers as well. I will have links for the Instagram and Facebook pages up with the bio on this episode. Thank you to Days of the Dead. Big thanks to Sophia, Audrey, and George for getting me involved. I'm hoping to uh, be able to be more involved in coming cons. I really like talking to these young filmmakers. Uh, That's it. Get back out in the world, you guys. Even though this is a very special episode, we are still the Walter Paisley Movie House, and we tip well because we do not piss on hospitality. Talk to you later. Bye.